Sunday morning. I want to thank Zach for his excellent report on fellowship. Uh, Joe was feeling like we had seen enough of him last week when he had the greeting, so he asked Zach to fill in for him. It's nice that we get a monthly report from our deacons and coordinators to let us know what's going on. Maybe we're even being informed on something we didn't know was happening, and we can get plugged in in every way that we're doing it. He mentioned life groups. I know that we're still meeting and doing life groups right now, but if you are not in a life group and wanting to be in one, let me know. We'll get you plugged in. Uh, And I'll just tell you right now, my life group is the best life group. Right? We have a good time. And I had no idea. One of the purposes of life groups is to develop relationships with people maybe you didn't have with before. I had no idea how hilarious at least two of our members are. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but I'm looking right at them. But if you're not a part of it, go ahead and let me know if you want to get plugged in with them. I know that life groups would be better with you than without you. Boy, for those of us that had a chance to get out to Doxis last weekend, that was a good time. Uh, to see her sitting up yesterday while we got over there to sing and just a smile on her face. She looked good. Uh, I hope that she was encouraged. I don't see where Kenny and Rita are. Oh, you're behind the pew or behind the pillar. I hope she was encouraged by that time as we were by getting there to sing with her. If you didn't get a chance to get a card to her, you should do that quickly. I want to thank Joe and Karen and all the work that went into yesterday's fellowship meal with the barbecue. I'm going to tell you right now, we got some good cooks in this place. And most of them are men, at least from what I tasted yesterday, except for Paulette and her beans. Yeah, those things were fantastic. But thank you for setting that up. Be on the lookout. They've got more ideas that are coming down the pipe for different fellowship meals through the year. I want to remind everyone that next Sunday, March 13th, Joe Evans is going to be here. He's going to be our morning auditorium Bible class teacher, and he will also be presenting the sermon. All of the youth and adult Bible classes are encouraged to meet in the auditorium to learn about the work that they're doing in India. Uh, Mr. Evans and his wife, Diane, are team members of the India missions that are working under the oversight of the elders of Shiloh Church of Christ in Hazel Green, Alabama. Uh, The team works with Karen Clayton uh, and in loving memory of Brother Ron Clayton. This is a work that Boulevard supports. And Brian Leger has done a fantastic job of trying to get these guys in that Boulevard supports on a monthly basis to actually let us see where those contributions are going and put some legs on them. That this isn't just some check that gets written every month and that's the end of it, but we actually get to hear and see what is going on in these different countries around the world for the missionary work that we're doing. That's all I've got for announcements. Let's open up to Second Peter. It's where we're going to spend some of our time this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. I, you would be shocked at how many people, when they saw the title to this morning's lesson, came up and were like, I really was trying to figure out what you were going to talk about, and I have no idea. Or to the point of, isn't that a saying? Yes, it is. But in particular, specifically, if you think about it this way, in Stalag Luft III, during World War II, was a POW camp in Germany. Uh, And it was run by the Luftwaffe that was designed to hold Allied airmen. And Paul Brickhill was a man who was imprisoned there. He wrote of his time later on uh, in the book that he titled The Great Escape. Now, the idea that was put forth by Roger Bushel, 
who became what would be known if you've seen the movie The Great Escape, Big X, was to ex- have 200 men escape from this prisoner of war camp out of one tunnel. And there, but they would dig three tunnels. They would dig Tom, Dick, and Harry. But only use one of them to actually escape out of. The other two were just simply there for distractionary purposes. Now, circumstances allowed, of the 200 men, circumstances allowed only 76 men to escape on that night. Brick Hill was not one of them because he got in the tunnel and he had severe claustrophobia and he had to get out of the tunnel. Um, But of the 76 men, 50 were executed by the Gestapo. 23 returned to various prison camps and only three made it home. But it was estimated that five million Germans were used to hunt down the escapees. Now think about this. Think of the amount of teamwork it would take to dig three tunnels, only to escape, and only use one of them to escape, that they used more than 600 men in the construction of the tunnels. They scavenged, the scavenged materials included 4,000 bedboards, 90 double bunk beds, 635 mattresses, which I'm not even done with my list, but that'll tell you about the administration of those camps. They couldn't figure out where that stuff went. 192 bed covers, 161 pillowcases, 52 20-man tables, 10 single tables, 34 chairs, 76 benches, 1,212 bed bolsters, 1,219 knives, 478 spoons, 582 forks, 69 lamps, 246 water cans, 30 shovels, 1,000 feet of electrical wire, 600 feet of rope, 3,424 towels, 1,700 blankets, and a partridge in a pear tree. Good grief. That was what they used to dig these three tunnels and get these things set up for their escape when they decided to do that. And the reason I'm bringing all of this up is not because it's cool and it's a piece of history, even though that is true. The reason I'm bringing all of this up (coughs) is to actually give us a real-world example of what happens and what things can be accomplished when men are unified in their approach to a specific task. Now, last week, we saw how Peter was reminding us that we're We're all participating in the same experiences. We're all on the battlefield together. We're all doing this together. And we get a similar reminder at the beginning of 2 Peter that we're all in the same boat. We're all in this thing together. Look at how he starts this letter in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. He is writing to people. Now, if we were going to look at it in the historical context, he is writing to people of the same faith. 
Think about this, guys. All these years later, do we realize that we have the same faith that Peter and all of those early disciples had? There's no difference in the faith here. So when Peter says, I'm writing to those people of the same faith, guess who he's writing to? He's writing to us. He's not writing to some distant person all these years ago that we have no tie to. We are in the same boat. We're in the same category. We fight on the same battlefield. That we are his people, God's people. And there's, there's some really neat things that are pointed to in this, right? So if I have the same faith as you and you have the same faith as me, and that means that our faith is the same faith as Peter's and the same faith of the people that he is writing to, there is an equality that's being talked about here. Nobody's faith is greater than somebody else's. We all have the same faith. And that faith is in Jesus as son of God who came to this earth to show us how we really did mess up the relationship with God. That was our fault. And that by our sin, by our lives, in that severing of relationship, we have fallen way short and we're really only deserving of God's wrath. But because he has shown us that that's the reality, then also showing to us the escape through him and his blood and the gospel, we all get put on the same plane again by that same faith. It's equal. We're all in it together. And it has the same value, okay? My faith is not more valuable than Hunter's. We have, we, not only is our faith equal, it also has the same value. And the reason it has the same value is because everyone who is of this same faith has all experienced that faith or experienced the escape, excuse me, because it came A, by God's grace, and B, everyone received equal benefit, Right? None of us got a better benefit than somebody else when we obeyed the gospel, did we? We all got the same benefit on this. And this faith in God gives us, I hope you notice this, everything we need. Now, wouldn't it have been better if Peter had said, our faith in God gives us everything that we want? Would we have appreciated it better at that point? Or are we satisfied with the basic knowledge that we have everything we need. Now, we do understand that this isn't talking about physical things, right? And actually, physical things aren't even a real concern for Peter in this. We don't need to add to our faith. We don't need to add to what God has given us to make it better and say that that's actually what we need. That God in his infinite wisdom has told us what we need and we all agreed with that. That it's what we need and it's because we believe that God has given us everything we need. Peter says we become partakers of promises. Promises greater than anyone has ever made on the face of the planet or beyond. And because of those promises, not only have we received the benefit of those promises, we are now partakers of the divine nature. Now this will be a big deal, right? Because when Peter is presenting that lesson on the day of Pentecost in Acts, what does he promise people? When, they, when he finishes with the lesson and the people go, ah, what do we do? What is Peter's response? Repent each one of you and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is not just for you, but for generations to come. Okay? Do we understand that our faith 
puts us in the position of being a partaker of God's very nature. We are no longer the same. We are vastly different because the minute that we become partakers of that divine nature, we are changed. And that we have escaped. We've escaped corruption. We've escaped sin as a cruel master. How did we escape? Not by our power, but by God's power. And when each of us embraces that truth, think of what we can accomplish together, unified by the same faith. Because there's huge challenges that Peter is going to be addressing in the text. Okay? Peter is going to be dealing with some challenges that the church is facing at this point. It's no different than the challenges that we face today. That the purpose of this letter is really to combat these false teachers that are roaming around the world (coughs) and, and that will bring trouble to anybody that listens to them and to anyone who believes them. And Peter's answer to this is togetherness, is unity. That's how you combat falsehood. When everyone stands on truth, where's the room for falsehood? You've removed it, right? And that these false teachers, they, and he, he will even tell us that these false teachers don't even have the same faith, right? Look at what he says just a little bit later in the book, in chapter 2. He says, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which should remind us of what he said there in verse 4 of chapter 1, They are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. It would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than having known it. To turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them, it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. But Peter says these guys aren't even embracing the same faith that we have in this. And then by the time we get to chapter three, he, he reminds us again and tells us to remember how our faith came to be. How were we persuaded to believe that Jesus is the answer for us? How did we all come to the same conclusion? And that it's our faith in this true knowledge of God and his promises that led us to the position that we're in. Sharers of God's holiness, right? How often do, I'm gonna take a step away from the notes for a second here. How often do we actually think about that phrase, partakers of the divine nature, sharers of God's holiness? Is that something that we wake up in the morning to, and remind ourselves of? You getting ready to go to work? You're ready to go to the store. I don't care where you're going. Getting ready to just walk around your house. How often are we reminding ourselves of the fact that we share God's holiness? Because I promise you, if you're thinking about this daily, it will change the way you approach things. It will change the way you deal with people. We'll deal more with that, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks when we get further into the chapter. But the whole point I'm trying to get us to here is that we need to be thankful that we are sharers in God's holiness, but also thinking about that constantly. 
that God works through us in this. Because, and that means that we've severed that connection with the world. We've severed that connection with all of its corruption because it was weak. It was futile. It was rotten. Per Bergslund was from New York. He was Norwegian. Jens Mueller was also Norwegian, and Bram Vanderstock was Dutch. Those are the only three guys that made it out of the POW camp and made it back home. Berglund and Mueller made it to Sweden by boat. It was neutral. Vanderstock traveled through France before reaching the British consulate in Spain, and he was able to go home. The name of the tunnel that they escaped through? Harry. Guys, if we're not walking away from our study in 2 Peter, missing, this, missing the point, we haven't heard what Peter is saying. God has provided the Harry. And not only has he provided our means of escape, He's provided to us the means for life and godliness. Not only has he provided the means of life and godliness, according to our reading from what Jesus said in John, it's not just some boring, mundane life that he's provided. It's abundant. It's rich. It's filled with goodness. That the promise of life is there, that we're persuaded enough to take advantage of it. And that puts us all in the same camp. It puts us all in the same category, and it gives us all the same faith. And thankfully, there's not just three of us that are going to escape. That the escape is available to any and all who are willing to be courageous enough to put their faith in Jesus. To have that same faith that Peter had. To have the same faith that, of those recipients of Second Peter. To have the same faith of those of us here this morning who work day in and day out reminding ourselves that we are in this together. Because when we all stand for truth, there's no place for falsehood. Who's ready to stand for truth together? Because we can do it. We can be the people that God has called us to be. You know how I know that? Because those of us that have obeyed the gospel share in God's holiness. He provides the means of escape. He also provides the motivation and the ability for us to stand on the truth. I don't have to worry about doing that under my own power. Because if I'm doing it under my own power, I fail and I fall. But even when I stand on truth together with you, if I do stumble and I do fall, which we'll talk about more in a couple of weeks, I have all of you there to bolster me, to encourage, to strengthen, to be there with me. And I'm happy for you to be that to me because I know we're the same. We're going to stand and sing the song Austin has prepared. And this is an opportunity for us to stand together together 
on the same faith. And perhaps in your faith walk this morning, you find yourself struggling. Welcome to the club. That's why we're here. To encourage, to strengthen. But we can't do that if we're not open with each other. And we're not honest with each other. And I'm going to tell you right now that if you are unwilling to be open and honest with, it, with your brothers and sisters, you are not worshiping God, you are worshiping yourself. We have to have the, the honesty to be real with each other because that's further proof that we all have the same faith and we're all in this thing together. But to separate yourself from it by purposefully not sharing things doesn't help the unity of the body. And if we can't stand together, we'll fall apart. Use this as an opportunity to be encouraged to receive counsel from the elders, prayers from the body. We're here for you. We love you. We want to help you be better because we know that that's what God has done for us and what people have done for us in the past as well. <coughs> Perhaps you're even here this morning and you are ready to take that initial step to be a Christian. You understand the importance of what God has done through his son for you. You understand what you have done in your relationship with him completely breaking and severing that relationship because of sin. Jesus paid the price for that. And God is ready, willing, and able to forgive. If you did acknowledge that, make the confession of Jesus as Christ. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's what puts you into the position of being a part of the kingdom as he adds you to the body. Whatever we can do for you this morning, no that we're in this together, and we want to be in it together. If we can help you in any way, make it known by coming forward while we stand and sing.